0: listening to Pet Candy. Welcome to our new show, Obsessed, a show where we talk about whatever it is we're currently obsessed with. I'm Caitlin Palmer. I'm Clay. And we're Obsessed. obsessed. Hi, everybody. How's it going? Welcome back to episode six. Can you believe it? Six episodes.
1: Yeah, I think I'm evens in your odds.
0: I think you're right, yeah, because I was number one, (laughs) and they should be.
1: Was number one.
0: Was number one. Well, you know, we'll see, because Clay and I were just discussing really cool band names and dibs (laughs) on Eve of My Betrayal, and listeners, I have to be honest with you, I am feeling some severe anxiety tonight, because... I think Clay and I might have picked the same thing, and I can never tell when he's joking with me or not. (laughs) And if he chose the same thing that I chose for next week, then I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to cry, fam.
1: I'm sorry. I just had to look up if that band name was taken, Eve of Your Betrayal. Was it? No, no one has done that band name yet.
0: TM, 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 TM.
1: (laughs) So it's a really dope band name.
0: It really is. Okay, here's what's up. I'm going to fill y'all in on this. Every week, Clay Palmer plays Dungeons and Dragons, and Caitlin Palmer sits at home missing Clay Palmer. And on that day, Clay Palmer has nothing to do with Caitlin Palmer.
1: Mom and Dad are fighting again.
0: I'm sorry, kids. We shouldn't <laughs> fight in front of you. We we love you. How we feel about each other has nothing to do with with how we feel about about you. So, but your father is a traitor.
1: Wow. Well. I'm about to ruin everybody's day anyhow. Oh. Yeah, I got one of those.
0: Well, as long as I'm not alone. Like, I'm okay if everyone suffers with me. (laughs) (laughs) But before we get into the deep, dark stuff, I found a really wonderful, lovely, heart-lifting story today. In British Columbia, there is an artist named Tanya Bubb. And she's incredible. I'm going to, I actually got to talk to her on Instagram today and we're going to share some of her artwork on our Instagram. She does driftwood art. I'm Mm. showing Clay a picture and I'll post it on our Instagram as well. She makes animal sculptures out of driftwood and she's going to be donating 25% of her sales to an exhibit at the Gage Gallery. It's called Tanya Bubb's Champion for Animals Fundraiser for BCSPCA. That's the British Columbia West Coast of Canada is where British Columbia is. I had to look it up because I was like, where's that? (laughs) And her artwork is, number one, it's beautiful. And it ranges from $40 all the way up to $5,000 these pieces go for. So 25%, that's that's a lot. That's a lot of money she's raising for animals. And that's awesome. You can definitely check her out. Tanya Bub, T A N Y A B U B dot dot com. Go check her out. She's awesome. Her artwork is awesome. And that's the news for today.
1: That is very cool. I mean, is that like a whole log?
0: Well, I think it's a bunch of small pieces put together. So, I do some art myself. So, I wanted to ask her permission before we shared her art on our social media platforms. Um, and she said it was okay. So, I'll definitely be posting some pictures. It's beautiful artwork. She has some that look like life-size or larger-than-life-size driftwood horses. And, you know, this girl would be trying to ride it like Dan Kelby. <laughs>
1: Yeah, some of these are really cool. They're all really cool. I don't know. They almost remind me of like that old claymation style.
0: They kind of do. They're they're definitely a very unique style. Like, I feel like if you looked at that driftwood art versus other people's, you could pick out, oh, that's Tanya Bubs.
1: Yeah, no, this is different from what I'm used to seeing.
0: Right. It's really pretty, though, especially her animal pieces. Like some of these dogs, like look at this guy. He's just pretty.
1: Yeah, instead of, like, carving out of, like, one piece of wood, which is what I'm used to seeing, it's more like she's cobbled together a right. bunch of different, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's very, it's beautiful art. And you can definitely follow her on Instagram, too, at Victoria Drifter, because she's from Victoria, mm. which is way really cool. Fun fact, that's my mid-on aim. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was going to say about uh, British Columbia, it's Columbia, you know, just what we have here, but it England never uh, retreated from that one spot. They, right. They were going to keep that, so... Half of Columbia is British Columbia.
0: <laughs> it's it's for real, though, on the west coast of Canada. I had to look it up.
1: And they're on the Queen's time. And they're
0: on the Queen's time. So, Clay, did you steal my topic for this week?
1: No, I didn't. Mm. I was just gaslighting you.
0: Clay is always
1: doing emotional damage. <laughs> always gaslighting. No, today we're going to talk about aliens.
0: Wait, aliens or xenomorphs?
1: Yeah, I know. I'm wearing a Xenomorph shirt to you get are. in the spirit. Now we're going to talk about aliens uh, in in general. So I know you're kind of scared of aliens. I
0: don't like alien. Okay, <laughs> I fall asleep listening to murder documentaries and like terrible, gruesome details. Like I want to know all this stuff. Like I want to know about the organs. But aliens are one of the few things that kind of freak me out.
1: So now we're actually. Not going to be talking about aliens. Oh, yeah? We're going to be talking about not talking about aliens. Uh, Oh, yeah? (laughs) We're going to be talking about the existential horror that accompanies the total lack of aliens. Hmm. In particular, the Fermi Paradox and the Great Filter Theory. Now, do you know what either of these are?
0: I have no idea what either one of those things are. That's fine.
1: So briefly, the Fermi Paradox is defined as a conflict between the lack of clear, obvious evidence for extraterrestrial life and various high estimates for their existence. In short, if the universe is so vast, other life has to exist. Why haven't we found any? Hmm. Which brings us to the answer to that theory. Uh, The Great Filter Theory is a possible answer to this question. Uh, both of which we'll come back to in a bit more detail. Uh, first, I'd like to give you a little cultural background on aliens. Mm. So, do you know that, like how Americans view aliens is totally different than how other cultures view aliens? Like this whole almost like cult following of like alien sightings and probes and all of this stuff is very American
0: really. yeah,
1: it's not really other countries and cultures they believe, Things like that, you know, they have their own sightings and that kind of thing, but like this.
0: Now, Clay, before you go any farther, would you say (laughs) that some people are obsessed with aliens?
1: Yeah, no, I think that's pretty much. Or
0: the possibility (laughs) or the lack thereof.
1: A a lot of times in like other cultures, it's uh, like religious or, Mm -hmm. you know, something denoting to that. But like with us, there's this whole thing about aliens it's got its own sort of like fan base. You know what I mean? It really
0: does. Some people really truly are obsessed.
1: Right. I mean, I guess, you know, places like Scotland have this problem with, like, Nessie.
0: That's true. That's but, true. but
1: Aliens is kind of like ours, you know, the right. whole Roswell incident and all of that.
0: Oh, yeah, that's true. Because we got Area 51, and I want to know what's in there. It's probably <laughs> just, like, stacks of paper and, like... Yeah, it's almost yeah.
1: certainly nothing really cool. They probably got some experimental aircraft or something, but... Oh, that's true. Probably not any alien type stuff. Right. Remember, there was the whole... Thing that some dude organized oh on the Facebook God, yes. event to <laughs> storm Area 51. Do you
0: remember that? They had somebody in the army demonstrate how to Naruto run.
1: Oh, God. The the training videos that came out for that. For It to, was
0: so cringy.
1: Oh, amazing is what it was. It
0: was amazing. Side note, do you remember when Oprah was talking? <laughs> somebody memed Oprah real good and they did the... The over 5,000.
1: It was over 9,000. This is quite a tangent you're on now. We're way off track. Yeah,
0: it happens.
1: (laughs) Uh, Aliens have a place in our history dating back to antiquity. Though popular shows, I'm not going to say the name because I don't know if we can get sued, uh, misconstrued that every civilization's gods are aliens. Mm. Uh, We're only going to be talking about alien sightings not related to ancient civilizations like religious figures.
0: Oh, Old School
1: Aliens, that show? Yes, <laughs> Old School Aliens. Uh, many of the oldest sightings come from Rome, uh, dating back to 218 BC. Wow. Uh, with reports of phantom ships.
0: Phantom
1: Ships is a cool band name, too. Also a cool band name. Uh, but that was cited and talked about by a Roman historian named Titus Livius. Ooh, that's
0: a good name. I know,
1: Roman names are cool. Uh, a name you, you might have heard, I don't know. Uh, Pliny the Elder.
0: Oh, I love we love Pliny the Elder.
1: Pliny <laughs> the Elder, in natural fashion, has to get his say-so in about literally everything. He ends up describing a total acid trip of a sighting, saying, a spark fell from a star, grew to the size of a moon, and then shot back up into the sky. Now, I'm really, like, paraphrasing there. I'm not getting into everything that he talked about, but it was... It was a lot. Yeah, it was.
0: Plenty had plenty to say. Uh.
1: But yeah, to be fair, Plenty the Elder isn't a super reliable source. No,
0: he's not. He's made
1: a total, He's a, made a ton of claims that are all sorts of just straight up bullshit. But
0: you know, for his time, he was one of the more forward thinking type.
1: <laughs> Perhaps I don't know. I think that people, <laughs> even back then, would look at Plenty and be like, "Man, that guy's such a tool. Oh, that guy sucks."
0: plenty
1: uh so moving further up in 74 uh, bc boosie boosie boosie
0: fun fact we have a dog that comes to the clinic named bussy and i was like do you know what that is
1: do they i don't know (laughs) oh fantastic
0: we'll be right back with more pet candy Find out why your dog pees on your shoes and chews your stuff up? Get our new book, Pet Candy's Guide to Dog Behavior. This fun and informative book, written by our veterinary experts, gives you the knowledge you need to understand your dog's behavior and to know when and how to get professional help. Check it out! It's available for free on Kindle Unlimited, Apple Books, and even on MyPetCandy.com. And brought to you by Reconcile, chewable tablets for dogs.
1: Anyway, uh, in 74, uh, Gary Busey, Plutarch, a Greek philosopher, claimed a huge flame-like body shaped like a wine jar and the color of molten silver fell to the battleground between two opposing armies.
0: That sounds lovely.
1: Yeah. Well, apparently, both armies also reported seeing this.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's... So this wasn't one person. So this was a whole group of... This was a
1: large amount of people.
0: That was weird. And then you keep (laughs) fighting. Right. (laughs) Follow the emperor
1: the, I like the bit about the molten silver because that's like a very common theme in, in these sightings about ships is that they're made of some sort of like quicksilver.
0: Right. Yeah, they're always very metallic.
1: One you'll hear about a lot is the Battle of Nuremberg Ooh. in 1561, where the residents of Nuremberg claim to have seen some sort of sky battle between hundreds of spheres and cylinders that, quote, moved erratically.
0: That's a lot.
1: Yeah, that, that's why you'll hear a lot about that one. You know, I've
0: never heard of that one, but I do kind of honestly avoid alien stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Except xenomorphs. We love a xenomorph.
1: Uh, there's a few more from that time period and a few more in like the 19th century. But the 20th century is when sightings explode. There are a ton of credible and semi-credible sightings and, you know, and countless others. If you were to, like, look at a timeline, if you were to, like, just kind of Google a timeline, maybe there's, like, a wiki page or something that has these laid out, like, in order, you'll see, like, oh, a couple here, a couple here. And then, like, from, like, 1950 on, it's just it boom, multiple a year, just a, a massive amount. Right. Uh, Which you could attribute to a lot of different things. Sure. Um, but it's just weird, like, how condensed.
0: They go through periods of hysteria.
1: Yeah, that, that pocket is. Right. Uh, I was talking about, like, common themes. The the sightings all have common themes. Uh, things like odd, elongated sphere shapes in the sky, dreams of being adopted and experimented on, unaccounted time gaps, you know, those kind of things. Aliens are usually described as being tall and slender with large eyes, but a lot of, like, the hardcore believers, you know, they talk about different species. I was like, oh, well, that's the you know, the gray men or whatever. The gray
0: men are the ones I think of, the tall gray ones. Right,
1: and there's like short ones. and Little
0: green ones. I
1: mean, literally just as anything you could imagine. Right. uh, There's some subset of people that that's just kind of their jam, I guess. The idea of some technologically advanced species that could easily destroy our planet is scary, sure, but more than that is the idea that something worse is out there. Oh? Uh, So the... told you I was going to come back to the Fermi Paradox. The the Fermi Paradox is named after an Italian-American physicist, Enrico Fermi.
0: Ooh, what a name. I know,
1: good names. Apparently, after a casual conversation he had with some other physicist, he just blurted out, but where is everybody? That's so cute. (laughs) The exact wording is kind of up for debate. But it's basically the same question that's asked by the Fermi Paradox. The layout goes like this. The Milky Way... The layout is based on a series of facts, observable facts. The Milky Way has billions of stars similar to our sun. Mm -hmm. A sun having an earthly or earth-like planet in the habitable zone is highly probable. Many of these suns and and planets are far older than Earth and have had more time to develop intelligent life. Mm -hmm. Some of these civilizations that would have been developed should have by now developed interstellar, interstellar travel. And despite having formed recently, celestially speaking, with many planets having billions of years as a head start, we have yet to be visited or contacted by otherworldly beings.
0: Or have we?
1: (laughs) Right. Well, that's what some people would say. Personally, I believe if we had been contacted, there's just no way we could have kept a lid on it. People are bad at holding secrets. It's kind of why we've had wars and things like that all the time. Uh, the law of large numbers is usually brought up that basically if you have enough chances at something, you will inevitably arrive to the desired result. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The the whole saying about, like, if you had an infinite number of monkeys and typewriters, one would accidentally write, you know, Shakespeare's plays. that kind of thing.
0: I've never heard that. You've
1: never heard that before? I've
0: never heard that, but I'm open to the idea.
1: So to spitball some numbers that, you know, we're talking about, big numbers a lot of people misconstrue a billion as just being like twice as much as a million no no a billion is a thousand more millions
0: yeah a billion is almost incomprehensible
1: yeah no i'm gonna get into some incomprehensible numbers here i hate those there are up to 400 billion stars in the milky way just the milky way you know not not any other galaxies or clusters or any of that Some 70 sextillion in the universe.
0: Sextillion. Yeah, I I actually
1: put a thing here in my notes because I knew you were going to make that joke. Uh Uh,
0: Pause for laugh.
1: So that number is 10 with 22 zeros after it. Oh, my
0: God.
1: And remember, every three zeros is Uh a thousand of the previous. Uh, So even if life is extremely rare, the sheer number of planets should yield more than one instance of life. Because like I'm talking about, that was stars, not even planets. Right. You know, that every star could, could have uh, an average of seven planets, you wow. know. The other side of the Fermi Paradox is probability, in that life itself is more likely to survive even in unfavorable conditions.
0: Life, life uh, finds a way.
1: <laughs> life naturally overcomes scarcity and seeks out new habitats. Mm-hmm. That's something we can observe.
0: That's true, yeah.
1: Uh, So even if the numbers were low, we would be on the high end of those numbers just from what we're dealing with. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Slow estimates of human technology put us as colonizing the galaxy in anywhere from 5 million to 50 million years from now, which is not a long time if you really think about it.
0: Not in the course of the Earth. No, it's not.
1: So there's that question. Why then have planets with billions of years of a head start on us not been able to reach us?
0: Because we're cut off emotionally.
1: This is the scary part. Oh. The answer to these questions is probably the Great Filter. The Great Filter represents a stopping point for intelligent life, and it's it's not one particular thing. It can be any number of things, but much like the name implies, it halts the advancement of the thing in question. So an example would be periodic extinction by natural events, which is a fairly common example. Dinosaurs. The Earth has been through several mass extinction right, events. Right, right. Uh, in, involving the rapid heating and cooling of the planet's surface to, like you said, the asteroid that killed the dinosaurs. We brush these off as if, you know, we survived them before, so we have nothing to worry about. But we really haven't actually been through one no. yet. We haven't. Not, Our planet, not us
0: as a species. Right,
1: no. but us as a species have not had to deal with one. And honestly, one is kind of overdue. So anything could happen. So... The Yellowstone Super Volcano. Cool. Uh, A lot of people say it's long overdue for an eruption. Other mathematicians put it as not being overdue. Either way.
0: It's either way, though. I mean, It's literally
1: called a super volcano. (laughs) Uh, It could erupt, and that would be an eruption large enough that could throw us into a new ice age. A new strain of drug-resistant bacteria or even a plant-based disease that could wipe out our food source could cripple us as a species. Uh, The idea isn't so much that these events have to wipe out 100% of all humans. It's just doing enough that they can send us back to a pre-technological state and allow another obstacle we've defeated to reemerge, to test all over again.
0: Right. And then we just eventually die off.
1: Right. So humans... We've been able to achieve these crazy technological feats because we've become super specialized. Mm -hmm. Everybody has a job that they do, that they dedicate years or decades to learning.
0: We're all warrant officers in our own (laughs)
1: right. So, you know, for instance, do you know how to fix a car? Hell no. Uh, Do you know how to synthesize basic medicines?
0: Hell no. How to
1: operate on an abscess tooth? Noob. The things that we no longer fear could easily rise back up to destroy humankind. Oh,
0: sure. I don't know how to change a tire.
1: <laughs> Diseases we've treated thoroughly uh, as to no longer have a mentionable mortality rate could be the next apocalypse just by not having those specialists around anymore. Well, but you know,
0: remember what a big thing penicillin was?
1: A huge thing, and that was not discovered that long ago. no. Uh, Something as simple as access to clean water could disappear in an instant. Sure. Given these things. Mm. Uh, You know, we have advanced waterway systems to bring us clean water into our homes that, I mean, you don't know how those work. Nope. Uh, I just
0: trust the water. I just
1: trust the water to come out of my sink when I turn the handle.
0: It's called faith. (laughs) It's called faith. We'll be right back with more Pet Candy. Hi, this is Shay, and I want to tell you about my new show on Pet Candy, Cooking with Shay. I make vegan eating easy and fun. Check it out on Pet Candy
1: TV. So what if a civilization, you know, hypothetically, what if a Civilization was able to continually defend itself from the planet, trying to kill them all the time. Could another civilization live long enough to reach spaceflight capabilities? Basically, the answer to that is like, sure, but they blow themselves up. It's reasoned that an exploratory technology increases, so too does the civilization's ability to destroy itself. Uh, Once a civilization is advanced enough to be able to destroy itself, it's in constant danger of doing so.
0: Like the rats of Nim.
1: Yeah, if you've got the technology to build, you know, an airtight spacecraft, then you've probably got the technology to build a sweet bomb. Uh, And enough of those, you know, can really do a number (laughs) on an entire uh, planet. They're
0: not really conducive to life, (laughs) are they? Right,
1: they're kind of, they're designed to literally do the opposite. So how many times do you think we've Come scarily close to self-inhalation.
0: Uh, a billion.
1: Uh, mutually assured destruction is the only thing holding uh, many countries back from just nuking each other.
0: That's true.
1: So much so that automated defense missiles were implemented to threaten others down from attacking us in the first place.
0: Isn't that awful? One temper tantrum in the world is just...
1: <laughs> yeah, because we're real bad. So, I mean, you know about the Cuban Missile Crisis. Mm-hmm. You know, we studied that in school. There's so many instances where it was literally someone's finger on the button. Yeah. From just having a total nuke fight. There have there have been mistakes happening on the screen, but there was one instance where we accidentally confused the moon the moon for incoming missiles and we're getting ready to strike back. Oh
0: my gosh. The moon?
1: The moon, of all things. Uh one time a training drill was almost turned into actual war. Uh someone had left a training simulation like copy inside of the machine that they were using, and it came up on screen and made them think that missiles were coming.
0: That's awful. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine being the person that forgot that in there and being like, well, I'll uh, just go kill myself again. Yeah,
1: uh, lit up with warnings that thousands of nuclear missiles had been launched from (gasps) Soviet submarines heading for the U.S. Oh, no. Everybody was alerted and started scrambling around, getting prepared to, you know, take off. (laughs) <laughs> the The plane that's supposed to carry the president, like, away during a nuclear attack, had actually taken off the runway to go get old Jimmy Carter on board. Six minutes of just extreme anxiety from these Can people. Can you
0: imagine the, what's going through their heads of, this is it, we're all well, going luckily, to Well, luckily, they die. waited and for— And then, it was like, <laughs> oh, sorry, my bad, guys.
1: Luckily, they waited for, like, satellite confirmation. But during that six minutes, anyone could have— panicked and did. There was another instance where, and I'm not sure how true this is, but I believe it is, where they set up the missile codes for one of these, one of these strike bases and left it as a default one, two, three, four, five. Yeah.
0: Uh-uh.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> it no, it's totally on par for us. We do some dumb shit like that all the time. America. He's <laughs> like, well, it couldn't possibly be that simple, could it? It's like, oh dope. So similar to self-destruction is that life may uh, instinctually seek out the destruction of other life. Mm -hmm. It's observed on our planet that when a new species arrives to compete with another species at a similar niche, that one species is invariably destroyed.
0: Like the Christmas Island rat. the
1: Christmas Island rat.
0: Oh, my babies.
1: Uh, This is why only Homo sapiens exist today. Our competition was beat out not only in a competition against uh, for resources but also just the right to live. Yeah. Alien life may not have contacted us before because tactically it's not wise. Alien mm-hmm. life may be so rare because it's being systematically eliminated by a superior race.
0: They're using their big brains
1: in an attempt to make sure no race rises up to challenge them. Perhaps something is seeking out and destroying life quietly amongst the stars for a another unknown reason. Now there's a lot of other less gruesome explanations for, you know, uh, a great filter. You know, just how difficult it is for life to form and then the chances of that becoming intelligent. Rather, others just haven't done it out of fear of what we might do in response. But we have sent messages out into space to let them know we're here, which may not have been smart if, if aliens are anything like us. But that's another thing that might be a reason Uh, An explanation for the Fermi Paradox is that alien life is just too different from us. You know, we think that math is universal and sending out patterns of radio waves as a sort of like Morse code or, you know, as imaging pattern to communicate that other life forms may not be able to understand that. Right. In any meaningful way. So I've got two quotes here. One is by Arthur C. Clarke who uh, helped co-write uh, Space Odyssey. Sometimes I think we're alone in the universe, and sometimes I think we're not. In either case, the idea is quite staggering. Mhm. <laughs> I like how you're waiting in anticipation of the next quote because you am. know
0: I I I know it's going to ruin me.
1: Because that idea of space is just you you can't understand how large it is.
0: No. And how you, vastly you really truly can't.
1: How vastly empty it is. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like walking into a dark room, but a room you've never been in before. There's no telling what could be in there, and it may not want to harm you, but if it does, you're not prepared for it. An alien threat has risen from beyond the abyss, a swarm so vast that it blots out the stars. This horror fights neither for power nor territory, but rather to feed a hunger so insatiable that it will eventually devour the entire galaxy whole.
0: Was that from Tyranids?
1: Oh, yeah. that's Warhammer quote. Hopefully we don't get litigated.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think you mean battle axe. No. Um, wartime. Weapon. <laughs> yeah. Wartime mallet. Wartime mallet. Wartime mallet. That's the RPG that Clay plays. 400. 400. 400. <laughs> Alien stories and things about space and the vast emptiness and just how small we are in the world always leaves me feeling a little uncomfortable.
1: (laughs) I mean, what would you prefer? For there to be aliens or Mm -hmm. for there not to be aliens?
0: Mm -mm. I don't don't like either one of those things.
1: Yeah, that's kind of the thing.
0: Will you buy me a Squishmallow and make me feel better?
1: No. Damn it. No Squishmallows. Shit.
0: Oh, fun story. For Easter, my brother was telling us that he listens to our podcast and that sometimes he agrees with Clay. And I was like, wow.
1: Yeah, specifically about the squishmallow thing, I guess.
0: Yeah, because one of the kids got a squishmallow for Easter. I didn't, which was bullshit.
1: (laughs) You've got enough squishmallows. You'll
0: never have enough squishmallows. So before we go, I do want to reiterate about our giveaway. So definitely go follow us on Instagram. It's at Obsessed with the Palmers. And Clay, what is our email?
1: It's obsessedwiththepalmers at gmail.com.
0: Yes. And then, so not only are we going to be giving away a coffee mug, some dope ass socks, and then we're also going to let you pick our next topic. I've also got a couple of other little things in the works. Um,
1: what are these? I don't know about these. You
0: don't know about these. Details to come, but there may or may not be stickers
1: involved. Stickers,
0: <laughs> So we'll see.
1: You can put them on your coffee mugs.
0: You can put them on your cup, co- Or you can just put them like.
1: You can put them on your socks. But do be advised. It's going to be extremely temporary.
0: Yeah. Don't wash your socks with stickers on them. They're or your bro- shirts. <laughs> then you'll just have that like residue
1: oh and it like just stays there forever it stays there
0: forever one time one of the doctor's little children gave me me a sticker and I was like oh I'm gonna put it right here on my scrub top and I wasn't even thinking about it I went home and was just like ew anal glands on my shirt (laughs) so I just threw it in the washer and then it was like oh well that's ruined
1: no more sticker
0: no more sticker actually you know what I did I couldn't get the residue off so I just put another sticker on top of it every day (laughs)
1: that'll fix it and then I
0: got a button because I'm a grown up and that's what I do so, um, guess what I'm going to talk about next
1: week? Uh, is it dogs?
0: It's dogs.
1: Technically, you kind of did a dog. I last kind time. of
0: did do a dog episode, but um, dog I'm man. gonna you, a dog man, <laughs> little, little lab guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, six foot tall chocolate lab, bipedal chocolate lab. <laughs> hey, what's up, guys?
0: Hi, guys. Who oh, played me? No! We'll be right back with more Pet Candy. Hi, I'm Danica Patrick. Watching my nieces grow, play, and learn
1: is amazing, but not every child gets to be carefree. One in six kids in the U.S. are hungry. This breaks my heart, and it's something that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds
0: of good food that would have gone to waste and gives it to families in need. To help, visit FeedingAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. So, um, I'm going to slap ass next week
1: and... You, you sure talk a big game, you know that? You,
0: <laughs> I just, I'm trying. You know, I figure if I believe it long enough, i will eventually just I'll give you, I'll me.
1: give you some slack on the last one, but then I'll immediately take the slack back because that was a suggested episode. Hmm. Yeah, this one you're going to have to actually earn yourself.
0: Wow, okay, okay. Well, you kind of already do know what it is because we had a big thing. Like, oh, it was a big thing because I thought Clay was going to do, I just texted him last night, dibs on this subject. And I was like, you didn't already plan to do that one, did you? And he was really quiet. I was like, Clay, did you really, were you going to do that one? And he's like, I was like, Clay, I need to know because I just bought a book about it.
1: And then I screenshotted a Word document uh, titled "The Name of the Creature,"
0: and I was like, "Oh, damn it, Clay!" <laughs> and then I was really <laughs> upset all day long. But I lied. But you lied, and you made it way worse <laughs> <because> you talked <laughs> about just interstellar aloneness and the vastness of the universe. And I'm just, you know what? Life's short. Let's go eat fried food.
1: Yeah, that sounds good. Okay,
0: all right, everybody. Well, we love you, and we'll see you next week. Pet Candy, candy. it's Pet Pet Candy Radio.